random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer, still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter! What are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome everyone to The Marvelists presents No Eye Patch Required, a Secret Invasion podcast. I'm ooh, it's, we have some ASMR going on over here, and I'm not talking about Amazing Spider-Man remake. No. No, that was secret, as in. Shh. Anyway, he's Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. No, you are Eddie Wilson. I'm, that's why I said I'm. You, I'm dog food, yes. Um, yeah, that's true, too. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to, first off, issue an apology for... The delay. Especially how this episode is going to be constructed. Basically, this episode is a three-in-one. And we are doing episodes two, three, and four. And to be completely honest, I will be completely honest with you... Very, very transparent in this situation. Oh, boy. Eddie was on vacation slash wasn't available. And on the days that we could have done it, we could have gotten a guest co-host. Well, ladies and gentlemen. Not what happened. I'll be completely honest. Once again, I think this show sucks ass, and I'm not a fan, and it's <laughs> what it's not great, and it kind of bums me out. But here's the thing. My opinion is what my opinion is. And in regards to that, it's kind of one of those shows, like, I am not really into the political intrigue stuff like this. Although, Winter Soldier, that movie slaps. I mm-hmm. love that movie. But this, this show, as great as Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn are, what you can't really do much to salvage this, in my opinion. Like, it's very, very rough. Well, I think Don Cheadle held up very well with what we've seen so far. I would say so, too. Although, you know, i got to say, in this most recent episode, episode number four, he drops a wrestling reference. And I'm sorry, Undertaker does not do top rope DDTs. As a matter of fact, he does the old school, which is where he stands on the top rope and he walks across doing a, you know, kind of like tightrope walk across the very top rope. And he's a big man. Undertaker's about six, uh, seven, six, eight. I want to say something like that. He did wrestle Giant Gonzalez, who was seven feet tall, and Giant Gonzalez dwarfed him at WrestleMania nine. Oh. But I digress. I just want to know if maybe the Stevie Ray Vaughan song was played. Oh, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Kind of tightrope. Well, what we could. It's could, a good song, man. Could have went with you know the one song tightrope. Uh, oh, high wire off of uh, Three Dog Night. You know. Um, maybe. There is yeah. a deep cut from Men at Work called High Wire, but that's another. Ooh, that's I like Men at Work. They're a good band. From the second album, I what's believe. his name? Colin Hay. Colin Hay slaps. Uh, yeah, but so, anyway, solo stuff too. But, so, so yeah, but, but, basically, but. like we were saying, this show, I'm not much of a fan. And yes, I realize the lack of professionalism. But then again, you're talking to the guy who openly bragged in the uh, Morbius episode. I fell asleep during the movie, and I still haven't finished the movie. Well, I haven't not finished the movie. I saw the movie. I watched the whole movie. I have the ticket. I got to watch that stupid post credit scene with multiverse stuff. Yay! Yay. Wow. Unrehearsed. Jinx, Jinx, you owe me a soda. But it's going to be a diet on Mountain Dew. Or, no, Coke Zero. I like Coke Zero. (laughs) Then I'll take the diet, too. Well, yeah, if you want, I'll get you one one day. Just not now. Okay. Don't hold me to that. Don't. I will not. Edamania. Episode 2, Promises, where Fury grapples with past and present. 
Also, like the first one, a 50-some-odd-minute episode. And it's a very black kind of episode. I feel like this is a show where things get a little bit faster-paced, and I like that. After a one-minute recap from the year 1995, we jump ahead to just two years in 97. I loved seeing those recaps of, you know, young Samuel L. Jackson. And to be completely honest, with a lot of these de-agings, de-aging can be a very rough concept in a lot of movies. Like, you look at Indiana Jones recently— it looks okay from what I've seen. Then you have, you know, famed, you know, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe fan, Martin Scorsese. Marty's going off doing the uh, Irishman and making Robert De Niro look like he's in his quote-unquote 30s. Narrator, he does not look at all like he's in his 30s in that movie. <laughs> he looks rough. <laughs> the road will own you indeed. But in regards to the de-aging, I love seeing the de-aging of that. And by the way, in one of the upcoming episodes, I want to say it's episode four, we see a quote unquote de aged Samuel L. Jackson circa 2012 or something like that during the uh, post uh, battle for New York. Yep, and there is one year of stop there. Yep. Mm-hmm. I loved seeing that. And like you wouldn't expect like to de age to that level. And by the way, this is how amazing the concept of time is. We now have to de age things to make it look like it happened in 2012. Isn't that weird to say at this point Just, now? Right, because we're going back to where things all started, so to speak, yeah. from the build-up starting with Iron Man in 2008 to that, and now we're backtracking oh, to that. By the way, speaking of uh, Iron Man, Eddie, have you seen those articles going around about uh, during the uh, hype right now for Oppenheimer? They're doing little uh, media interviews with the different talent involved, and Robert Downey Jr. was one of them. Oh, no kidding. All and right. he is very, uh, very outspoken about his time but in the Marvel Universe. And it's kind of funny because it's like rah, 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 Marvel while you're there. And then later on, it's like, yeah, no. <laughs> like <laughs> At one point, he literally referred to uh, Avengers Age of Ultron as quote unquote content. That's all it was to him was just content. Content. So okay. it's kind of funny to see that, you know, even Robert Downey Jr. That's why, like, I don't know if you've noticed, like, there really weren't many interviews with RDJ during that time frame. Like, no. during his time, like, in the MCU. It was, like, kind of just pushed to the side. Yeah, no, nothing that I heard about. Were they not, was anybody not seeking him out for interviews, or was he just not granting probably, them? Probably not offering. Okay. But it's kind of funny to see, like, yeah, he did He he did every once in a while, like, I want to go do Iron Man again if, uh, what's his name, Mel Gibson is directing it. Oh. And that's why he's like, I know a way they won't let me do another Iron Man movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So, but again, 1997, Brixton, London, Fury meets Gravik, and we find out that his parents died. Maybe from, you know, the previous really seeing Skrulls in 95 with Captain Marvel, was that the way that Skrulls uh, shook hands? They they touched heads or something? Sure. They bowed heads at each other? I, I don't know. Well, you know, what got me is, like, we're seeing a lot of these characters that are, you know, future Skrulls later on. And one actor that, you know, makes his debut in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe is the actor Christopher McDonald, who plays FXN pundit Chris uh, Stearns. And I love the fact that, you know, as a fan of the movie Happy Gilmore, we got Shooter McGavin in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, ladies and gentlemen. And I am hyped and on board for this because it's Shooter McGavin. He eats pieces of shit like you for breakfast. Oh, he eat pieces of shit for breakfast? It's mm. a heck of a diet. Very, very, really low fiber. <laughs> but we digress. Well, yeah. And then this, remember, this second episode picks up after 
we see the death of Maria Hill. And we'll get to more of that as we get into, especially I think it's episode four. But we have Talos introducing Fury to the crowd, the group assembled of Skrulls, and about with Carol Danvers, Fury's yeah. going to work to find the Skrulls a new home. Fast forward to the present, and uh, and a street fighting Fury is out there getting thrown into a van by a disguised Talos. And well, we you, have the opening credits. You just mentioned uh, Carol Danvers. This episode involves the whole issue of the quote-unquote promise that Carol and Nick Fury have. Yep. And, you know, you keep your word, I'll keep mine. Basically, you know, you know, as uh, Collider.com says, Fury proposed that in exchange for the Skrulls acting as protective agents while they're on Earth, he and Carol will spend their efforts finding them a new home planet. And it's kind of funny because, again, it's the little things that connect these movies over to each other, you know? Yeah, and yet, in a few short minutes on that train ride... With Fury and Talos. We that f- intensity. I love, like, the little <laughs> fight between the two. Because, like, we got Samuel L. Jackson. Like, we got, I have had it with these snakes on this planet. I'm not going to go with the rest of the quote, but you can Google it, ladies and gentlemen. And, like, we got intense Samuel L. Jackson. Maybe it's just because I'm such a, you know, Star Wars fan and watching a lot of the prequel era stuff, like Clone Wars and the prequel movies. But seeing him so subdued, I'm so used to seeing Mace Windu uh, Samuel L. Jackson, where I love that George Lucas managed to get great actors who are known for some of these little quirks, and he's like, oh, well, yeah, we're not going to have them yell. That, that'll scare the children. <laughs> it's it's a lot of that kind of stuff. And, and the power of myth, Joseph Campbell says. It's like a lot of things these people are known for. So when I'm seeing Nick Fury screaming his lungs out at Talos, I'm just like that. First off, that caught me off guard in a great way because I'm like, yeah. oh my god! Like that's like the first time it's a wake up to what's going on here. Let's realize the uh, the seriousness, the gravity of the situation that's about to unfold. Really, in the viewing of this episode, seriously, maybe not even five minutes after we find that yes, Carol and Nick are going to do whatever they can to help the scrolls, and we're going to get this completely 180 degree difference as to what's what's going to happen. And yeah, on the train. Nick, you know, just brings in, segues into this tell-me-something-I-don't-know-about-you story. And we find out about, what do you know about the destruction of the Skrulls, about the Skrulls that fled, and that's about a million of them. And even with a recap later on, the line that's great that I had to write down, that he says to Talos, have you lost your reptilian-ass mind? Yeah. I mean, to say Fury's P.O.'d is, is putting it mildly. And we find that out later with a discussion with Rhodes. In, again, a future episode from, from this one. And so, you know, later on we end up going over into London and we see Maria Hill's mother, Elizabeth, yep. as, you know, she's getting her casket. And whew, that is, it is a very intense scene. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, just watching the exchange between her and Nick Fury is very, again, <clears throat> it's she's intense. And the whole situation is intense because you don't know how to react to that. You're no, watching. you're just going to be like Fury, and you just got to stand there and take it. Yeah. And that's it, because you had the casket coming off with the flag draped across it, getting out from the, the van onto Air Force One, I believe, or just a government uh, plane in general, uh, and then getting all the TV news story stuff, the Moscow explosions during the celebration, the U.S. attack on Russia, it's called, and one um, politician saying, and I thought of you right away, Peter, I call bull. Is what that one guy said. I'm like, oh, okay, sure, that's a thing. But you've never heard that expression before? Maybe not from a you know a reported news story. Well, you know, 
You know, just you and other people. Other people say that expression. Yep. I call bull that you've never heard that expression. Not not often enough. But we. I had I had to go. Where did you ever first hear this phrase? I call bull, Eddie. It was Peter. And it's funny because you know we're seeing all of the uh, news clips as they talk about the scroll terrorist attack, and it's a it's a scene. Got people in it. It is, and start you know it's starting to develop in my brain as this episode's going along, like the like the comic book series had said something I still have to catch up with reading, but the oh it's completely different than what this is then the whole phrasing there and I have a theory it's probably a very bad one on where this is going the whole series oh you should listen to early episodes of the Marvelous where I have the most asinine uh, fan theories like I didn't think it's gonna happen you guys oh no it won't well the whole thing with the comics was who do you trust that was the whole premise for the the I trust the government (laughs) and and that you know comes to mind and I'm thinking as the episodes go along here uh, is this person really who they seem to be looking like? Or is she really is going out with him? That's Joe Jackson, for crying out loud. And a remake by Sugar Ray. The one who beat Ray. Michael Jackson up? Oh, no, I'm thinking of his dad. Different one. <laughs> Sorry. I thought that was Prince's father who did that in no, Purple Rain. No, what, beat him up? No, no, Michael Jackson's dad beat the ever-loving bejesus out of that oh, man. Oh, boy. Okay. So, again, Fury, we're, you know, with the 2000 being murdered, Fury <laughs> he abandoned him so bad he wanted a pet monkey. Uh, well, you know, everybody needs an outlet. Oh, man. And uh, Madam Prime Minister making uh, nominating Gravik to be the Skrull General, and uh, war is supposedly declared. And you know what they say about war. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Oh, say it again now. Edwin Starr. And Bruce Springsteen did a great live remake. Sure. Next, Colonel Rhodes is being I love, inquired, in so, question, rather. You know, earlier in the episode, I say, like, you know, the two actors that really, like, sink their teeth into this and manage to pull out a... Great performance out of kind of lacking material. The third man in this is Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle, like, there are moments, there are lines that you'll hear, and they feel a little wonky. Like, there was one, I forgot what it was, but it took me so out of it, and it's like, oh, this is the kind of stuff we're watching, you know, where I'm just like, this is the degree, the quality of this, and I'll hear, like, something, I'm just like, you had to memorize that line. Like, are you, like, thinking to yourself, like, as you're reading these lines, like, you know, these actors are like, I have to say this stuff, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, it's like, it's either cringeworthy lines or it's just, like, lines that aren't very good. And that's why, like, I like that some of these actors, the main MCU stalwarts, like Don Cheadle, Samuel L. Jackson, they'll have some of the most ludicrous, batshit crazy stuff that they have to say as a part of the script. And it's like, you know what? I'll make it work, and they do. Like, uh, yeah, I was going to agree with that in a sense that they are commanding what they're saying. Yeah, they're 100%. in control of that. Both of them. It's like pay attention. This is important. Otherwise, I wouldn't be saying it. And a very heated discussion. They're in this bar. Nobody else is there. There's one bodyguard, so to speak, and uh, Fury gets fired, essentially. Yeah. But, but the line coming back is, "I'm Nick Fury. Even when I'm out, I'm in." Well, what I like is the whole element of him getting fired. Is that whole you know, they asked you to do this. No, I volunteered. Right. Rhodes says to him. Because, like, why did he volunteer? Was it, you know, out of, like, you know, friendship? Was it out of this? Or was it like, no, I want to fire you, you son of a bitch. And maybe in a different sense, I'm just thinking of it now, that Rhodes had a similar thing to do, whether he's covering up or trying to have Fury's back, is what he had to do back with Tony Stark in the Iron Man movies. And Listen, by- they're going to come and take these things unless you do this, this, and this, or whatever. 
And it's funny because in this episode as well, you know, one of the uh, the hidden Easter egg things on here, you know, they have something in here that I want to talk about is the DNA samples in this episode. Mm-hmm. And one of the DNA samples, first off, they mention Extremis, the the disgraced comic writer Warren Ellis's uh, Iron Man storyline. And they also mention a couple other characters. You, They mention Frost Beast, Call Obsidian, and then the final one, which is all the way up on top, the but top yeah. is Groot. And... Yeah. I miss the days of when you would have an Easter egg in a movie or a television show or an aerosol can or whatever. And it was a blinker, you'll miss it kind of thing. These Easter eggs, quote unquote Easter eggs, are literally, hey, stupid, look at this. You recognize these names from the movies you watched and really like? Cool. Like Frost Beast, yes, I could see being one of those like obscure ones, like yeah. or extremist, because regardless of the fact it's a great Iron Man story and well known, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? It's not really a word or something that's been heavily featured on the reg in the Marvel Universe. But literally putting the name of Groot front and center like, hey, stupid, you did you watch the movie a few months ago? Be sure to rent it <laughs> digitally on iTunes. See, I didn't think of it as anything um, downgrading, belittling, no, whatever not, you want to call it. it's not that, but it's just it feels like now the Easter eggs are so simplified to the point where like Easter eggs are something that you like hunt for, you know? Then it's not... It's then very, maybe it's not. We don't call these, uh, in this case, Easter eggs. But this they is like, are. It's a gimme. We're going to give you one. We're going to spot it's, you one. It's a mulligan. Yeah, it's like a mulligan. And like the problem with it is I miss the days, and I feel like you know, old man doing this, but like I miss the good old days when you would see an Easter egg in a Marvel movie, like X-Men 2, for example, when you have the computer terminal and you see all of the muties in the area, and one of them is like Gambit. One is, uh, what's her name, Jubilee. And you're seeing all of these other ones. Wade Wilson is in there. You know, and mm-hmm. it's cool to see, and it's like very much blinker. You'll miss it. Whereas this is like it lingers for a couple of seconds. Yeah, we like, want oh. you to see this and make you think. Oh, wonder what this is all yeah, about. I get that. And but put it's Groot like, at the top because you'd recognize that name right away, and then hopefully read down and further. And I, I pulled out. But, yeah, Frost Beast. Okay, and then I said, Oh, Extremis. Yeah, okay, I remember that. But again, just way too simplified. Mm-hmm. And I, I like my Easter eggs with a little bit of a challenge. You know, I yeah. like that. I think. Like, when you see James Gunn talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, he goes, like, the very first one, he goes, there are Easter eggs and things that are hidden in this movie that still people have not discovered, and I'm shocked. Mm-hmm. Like, nine years later, and by the way, nine years, ladies and gentlemen, for Guardians of the Galaxy, time definitely flies. But anyway, enough of that tangent. But before that, we had a little butcher shop uh, interrogation scene. Yeah, and, the torture. And the, and the first thing that really got me as far as, and it did say, too, uh, in in the description of this episode or series, you know, intense situations, intense violence, perhaps. So Disney's throwing a little ass. bit of warning in there. Well, when the finger got chopped, you know, yeah, that was the first really, really severe thing. This show is brought to you by our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash themarvelists. And on the $3 tier, you'll get access to episodes early and ad-free. $5 tier gets you our two bonus shows. One, Fantastic Voyage, where we dissect and just talk about the 102 issues, one by one, although if it's a storyline more than one at a time, of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's amazing, incredible, spectacular, invincible, and fantastic run of the Fantastic Four, the world's greatest comic magazine. And two, You Haven't Read That? A show dedicated to the comic books that I haven't read yet. Some Marvel, some DC, all fun. 
And on the $8 tier, pick a topic of your choosing, not a topping of your choice. Or perhaps you can be a guest on The Marvelists. Above all else, we thank you for your continued support. And that's, that's really that. But then, you know, the biggest thing about this episode is the final reveal where it's revealed that Nick Fury's wife yep. is a scroll. Bum, bum. You know, I like that. I think that idea, like, that adds a nice layer because, like, he has been this close to the scrolls, literally, you know? Yeah, exactly. So seeing that, that's kind of cool. And the ending song, which fits because that's what they do is they fit music to this to the show. Try a little tenderness. Otis uh, Otis Redding. Otis Redding. Yeah. 1967. Yep. And what I also love is, you know, the again, I keep saying this. I also I keep throwing other names in, but like Charlene Woodard, uh Woodard, Woodard, her name, she also knocks it out of the parks. So like there's a four people in this show that regardless of the quality of the content that they're being given, they knock it out of the park, you know? As uh, Vera, I believe the name is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, now let's go. Uh, yeah, that's no, that's that's episode two. And that's that's a more eel. That's what Dean Martin said when he went to the aquarium. Yes, he did. So now let's talk about episode number three. Betrayed, where Fury uncovers a rebel scroll plot. Starting with um, what do we have? Gaia's passenger in the car. Sure. And uh, and Gravik with the council members and uh, his plan to change powers, and then he drops saying, becoming. Super Scrolls. And it's funny because when you look at the main Marvel universe, I'm not talking about the MCU, I'm talking about the 616 universe in the comical books, the Super Scrolls. The Super Scroll is a character, ladies and gentlemen, and by the way, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash The Marvelists. And check out our online show exclusive to that Patreon, Fantastic Voyage, where we go episode by episode, talking issue by issue Even. of Stan and Jack's legendary, iconic run of the Fantastic Four World's greatest comic magazine. Oh, yeah. But in regards to that, you know, they talk about the Super Scrolls. And the Super Scrolls, well, singular, Super Scroll, is a soldier in the Scroll Empire in the original Marvel Universe. And what happens with him is he has four powers. The ability of invisibility, fire, stretching his skin, and what else? Being strong rock boy. Yep. So... And who are four characters that are like that? Of course, I'm talking about Flatman. I'm talking about Invisible Guy. I'm talking about... Uh, Great Lakes Avengers. And Tita Fuente. You know, like all of the greats in the Marvel Universe. And, no, the Fantastic Four. So it's each member's power simplified to a appendage on this character, you know? Well, so, yeah, I guess Gravik's plan then is to, well, not only it's happened to himself, as we see, he's become a super scroll with other abilities and... Maybe to continue that throughout others that are on his side now, kind of thing. And somewhere around this point with the Super Scroll concept, I started thinking, well, wait a minute, Scrolls, Secret Invasion, this this was something that was an early story within the first, what, couple issues of the Fantastic Four? Yeah, something like that. A Scroll that. Invasion type. Or, well, and, or, the well, Scrolls debut in issue number two. Yeah. And we don't know how many there are, but then again, uh, they agree to read and company to what turn into pasture cows or something. It's a and very stay uh, that way until and not they can stay as long as they stay as cows. No joke. Or, that is one of the darkest endings of a Marvel story because like it's very like ha 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 they're cows it's like that's how they're gonna live the rest of their lives and like something happens with one of them where they get eaten. 
you and, know, and, and like, it, can, it contaminates like the person that eats them or something. Like, it's this weird story. But like, you know, part of the uh, Kree Scroll War story in the Avengers by uh, the uh, late great Neil Adams alongside Roy Thomas and Sal Buscema and John Buscema, it's a very, uh, it, it plays a part, the whole, you know, three cows or something or whatever. But between them, and then I thought of also the other the other takeover invasion from the early days of Marvel was in the uh, first and or second issue of Incredible Hulk. But that was the Toad Men, I think. Yeah, but that doesn't count from space. No, I know, but they were green as well, and so and from another mother, space yes. time and whatever. Another space mother, yes, indeed. Yes. But what gets me is you know the whole issue of creating these powers, because and it kind of reminds me of if you watch the Venom movies, which by the way, fun fact, ladies and gentlemen, we've never done any reviews of those. Maybe next year, around the time of Spider Verse, uh, beyond the Spider Verse, we might, you know, slip it to the side a little bit. We don't know. Figure and, it out. And do a three in one of the Spider Verse movies. No, no, it's going to be multiple episodes, Eddie. That's going to be fun. So, oh, yeah. okay. Okay. But anyway, so. He has a plan. What happens with. Uh, I am afraid. Hear it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But in regards to the whole thing of the Super Scrolls, it's kind of like Venom, like I was trying to say before Eddie so rudely cut me off. Sir. What, you know. Somebody pointed this out to me, and I want to say it was a kid, of all people. Like, a little kid just pointed out. He goes, well, you know, Spider- Venom doesn't have the spider on his chest because he hasn't met Spider-Man yet. And I'm like, oh, shit, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, he's right. <laughs> honey, honey. What the heck? Yeah. Talking to my wife. My fictional wife. Oh, goody. But in regards to this whole thing of that, you know, how do you have all of these Super Scroll powers for one character without having the FF. We don't know yet. And we, again, like this is a subtle like nod to who we're going to be getting very soon. Who? Mike Jones. Scroll science, perhaps. Maybe, but why do they have all the specific powers, Eddie? It's, it's, it's building... Uh, I'm uh, waiting, Eddie. It's building... Give me three paragraphs. No way. Jose. Couldn't even give you three pages on these episodes. So, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the quality of this writing of the show, isn't it? 19... Not our show, their show. <laughs> New York City, 1998, Fury and Veer, I guess is when they kind of first meet up type of thing, and then flash to the present where he is, you know, retired. Um, there is a uh, a dig into Fury by, by her about, well, I know you vanished because of the blip, but then you came back and then you went away again on your own choosing. And what the hell? The, the one line also uh, you hear... Uh, Priscilla, she gives Fury an envelope. And again, this is Collider.com. An envelope that she says should, quote, put Drakov's men on their heels. No doubt a reference to General Drakov of the Red Room, played by Ray Winstone in Black Widow. So uh-huh. it's all connected, ladies and gentlemen. It's got to be. It's got to be Kane. It's got to be Kane. It's Blue Kane. Well, the scenes that uh, follow this are between our conversations of Gravik and Gaia and then Gravik and Talos at a museum or it looks like a coffee shop and I think when Talos goes to grab Gravik all yeah, of a everyone have, just turns and it's yeah, like, all the other people in there are multi, are also Graviks and but, that must be maybe a new power as well I suppose this many Graviks in this in a, this economy you know and so you know later Fury finds Talos and tells him he's found a lead on the scroll but he's like Hey, man, you told me to go to hell and get off the choo-choo train. I literally jumped off the choo-choo train and broke my leg. Now mm-hmm. I'm over here. Now yeah. I'm green. Yeah, and somewhere around here is where I'm getting a little confused because we have the character of Sonya. Uh, Fury's on the phone. What color is Sonya? 
She's got red hair, I think. Yes, so that's, 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 that's a good one. Um, nah, not really. kind of sucked. But Fury is with Talos, and they're going to now head out to the, the residence of Commodore Robert Fairbanks. Commodore 64, yes. No, that's what its title is. Well, they also, you know, they go off into a, they go on a little sub, a British submarine journey where, you know, I, if I was there, I would have said, have any of you been on, oh, wait, we've all been on the submarine now. So that kind of- Wait, we're getting purpose. to that in this episode. There is a sub. Yeah. I knew Mar- you'd be happy marine. about that. Yes. <laughs> See, you could tell I was excited. <laughs> Foot pedal for accentuation. Ew, well, I'm not sure. Joke. That was inappropriate, ladies and gentlemen. That was a boner joke. Ew. Naughty, naughty, naughty. Okay. We have a discussion of Talos and the Skrulls helping Fury with his missions and essentially ascending the ranks that Fury was, of course, employed in without... And I don't know if we actually knew that before, but it's coming to light now. And here's another point of contention between these two main characters. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know where I was going with that. And then uh, and then the two of them, meaning Talos and Fury, entering Fairbanks' house, uh, encountering the son, a.k.a. Zachary. And meanwhile... It's getting closer to the uh, assault or bombing, perhaps, with uh, United Nations 1, the plane and the submarine. And uh, Gaia, I guess, doing her thing on the part, trying to, whatever, on the cycle, encounters Gravik. Well, the fact that they're even like trying to prevent a World War III from happening, and it's yeah. like all because of Nick Fury. And that must make him feel yeah. great about himself. Well, he was saying, too, just backing up a little bit with the uh, meeting up with Rhodes, that he's going to be the sole person that's supposed to handle this. And uh, and Rhodes is like, yeah, yeah no, that's not going to happen. Not after everything that you helped cause and bring to this point. It's just not going to be that way. So in the trailer of this series, you know, it's it's his war. He's going to do this. It's just not going to go down like that. And this is where I suspect Rhodes and saying, I don't know, is he— talking the way we used to have him talk and is somewhat of a little bit of a mannerism mostly again in his speech but then later on we see that yeah somebody took on the guys of road of of roads there and coming what is it coming out of the shower or whatever wipes the mirror oh okay Rhodes is a scroll may have done a gender swap also in there maybe maybe but anything's mm-hmm. possible and then a whole thing of uh guy gets killed well, I wanted to bring up about the whole thing of nobody calls me Nick because I kind of love yes. that thing. Nobody calls me Nick, Bob. Right, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we move on to let's see. Vera gets a, a signal. I guess it's a run signal because she flees the house. She goes to a safe deposit box, and in an envelope there's a gun, another a phone signal, and she's saying, "I need to speak to Gravik." And I'm not sure. At the end of this episode three, the reply is, "Now you're talking to me." And it's not Gravik. No. I'm not, I'm not sure if we find out who who she is talking to. Because we're also, I'm suspecting now, Vera is tied in working with and or against possibly Fury. Right. So there's a little circling around. And I, I, th- and I think, again, who do you trust? Who can... Who you know, do you love? Thank you, wannabe George Thorogood. Who do you love? That's the end of the 43-minute episode three. So now let's finally talk about, mercifully, episode four. Beloved, we're Fury. Oh, thanks, Eddie. I appreciate that. Fine <laughs> words. You know, I, you know, I've been feeling kind of down lately, and it's just, you know, hearing you say beloved, I'm like, oh, you know how to make a fellow blush. Not your shade. Fury must <laughs> make some hard sacrifices. But this one starts off with Gaia being Eddie, alive. Eddie, Eddie, this is a family show. You know, what kind of family? Dun-dun-dun-dun. The Manson. 
Okay, anyway. Gaia is alive, oh, at least sorry. in the beginning of this one. And we have a red stone that she's wearing. We also have what yes, looks like... Yes, red stone, yeah. That looks like the um, laying down on the ground deceased Gaia in scroll form with that red stone again. Shift to Paris, 2012, and a scene with Fury and Vera. Uh, I'm not sure where the Gaia alive part is happening, but I think it's pretty solid now that Maria Hill is not coming back. Just jumping back to that for a I'm going to take a wild guess and say, yeah, she's not coming back. Yep. Uh, Vera. A soul for a soul. <laughs> and now we have a scene with Vera and Rhodes at a church, and Rhodes saying he wants her to kill Fury. And I'm thinking, is this really Rhodes? By the way, Eddie, I just want you to know that it isn't named, she isn't named Vera. She's named Priscilla. Priscilla? Yeah. Maybe it was so, a, ladies maybe and gentlemen, this whole episode, she's. When you I've hear been Vera, calling her Crandall. When you hear Vera, substitute Priscilla. Yes. There Man, isn't that great? Not really. On my part. Aha. Uh-huh. My bad. Aha. Uh-huh. Now you now you know how I felt. Tom Petty, you don't know how it feels. So to be me. No, yes I do. I know how to feel like a badass. <sighs> okay. Yeah, you're a badass. Or is it a bad out of hell? Meatloaf. No, I had a double uh double quarter pounder with uh, creamy cheese or whatever the hell it was and jalapenos from uh Oh. And yes I know it's pronounced jalapenos, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying to do the goddamn trailer trailer park boys joke. But I digress. Like the department store Target. Oh, man, do you want to go to watch a bottle? No, thank you. Good to go. First, fast forward to a Priscilla and Fury at home <laughs> table discussion where we pull out mutual pistols and both meet, miss each other. I thought of it, really didn't see, uh, you know, because Fury's line was, well, does that mean we get a divorce or renew our vows? So I had a Mr. and Mrs. Smith uh, moment I there. I can see that. Just in the you know, in just seeing the trailer for that movie, but here now we we go to a scroll in the shower finishing up, and it is Rhodes. So again, who do you trust? Who do you trust? Who is who? Who made who? Who are you? All right, that's who, another. Who, who, who? That's the who indeed, right? Who? Oh. And Fury finds his way into Rhodes's uh, what uh, hotel suite. And they uh, maybe get a little liquored up, perhaps. They sure with do. Some, with some vintage libation. Well, I wanted to talk to you about, but, so there is an Easter egg about something that. Okay. You know, when, so it's Vara. Okay, so you're you are partially correct. Her name is Vara. The alien name is Vara, but her human name is Priscilla. Okay. So we digress. But, you know, one of the things in the house is a book. And this, these are the kind of Easter eggs I like, ladies and gentlemen, where you have to blink or you'll miss it, as opposed to, hey, stupid, look, it's Cosmo, the dog from the other movie. You watch that? No? Your broadcast didn't go to the movies that week? Check Guardians Volume 3 for that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the book is called Decoding the Superhuman Gene. Oh. And it's either a reference to the Uncanny X-Men or the Beyond Boring in Humans. <laughs> oh look, the guy's got a tuning fork on his head. Well, then it's got to be the Inhumans if that's the book reference. Who knows? Shadow. Listen here, you little shit. Okay, fine. <laughs> Don't you call me little. It's a compliment. Well, questionable. But anyway, so that whole thing of that's an Easter egg I really like. I like seeing Easter eggs like that. I like I like when they're the spotted Easter eggs too. Very festive. They got little borders around them too. Some are striped. 
Right. Some are just swirly. And, Summer you know, school, which I never got to go to, which is great. It's very good. Yeah, my, exactly. my grades were good. Well, my grades sucked, but I still passed. But on the subject God of... God bless no child left behind, ladies. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't left behind. But with regards to that Eddie, whole... Eddie wishes um, I was that weekend at Garden State Comic Fest, though. <laughs> I do? Sure. You wish I was left behind that weekend. Yeah. Aw, Eddie. Didn't cross my mind. Aww. We only had to do one day together. There was a second day without. So, Aww. you know, we may do. We do do. With regards to the whole scene again with Fury and Rhodes and the, the liquor, that apparently becomes. Happy I Van think, Winkle. I think it becomes a, a detection type tracker. Because I think Talos has sort of a vial of this that if Rhodes has consumed some somewhere maybe in his system, there's a way to maybe detect maybe his whereabouts. Because then we go to Rhodes and the president, and the president saying something where Rhodes kind of checks his breath, and he's like, I need a, a mint. A large pot of coffee. Yeah, a large pot of coffee for this trip. Well, large coffee for the road. Is and the if line. I got the name right this time, the president, played by Dermot Mulrooney, is Rilson. Nope, it's Ritson, Eddie. R- Ritson? Yeah. Got my T and my L confused now. Okay. You also got Vera wrong and Vera. Like Vera Lane. Vera, Vera, Priscilla. Okay, Vera, fine. Vera Wang. Oh. Wang. But, you know... You look at uh, the scene with Gravik attacking Fury, and okay, so this is the one where I had a conversation with uh, Die of uh, a Star Contrast today. Jenks, you owe me another soda. Or whatever. You owe me a Dr. Pepper Zero. <laughs> it's pretty good flavor. As you were. It tastes actually just like regular Dr. Pepper, but there's zero. Wouldn't you zero. like to be a. I sure would. Pepper, too. So, in regards to that scene, this is one of those moments in the uh, show where. I was admittedly caught off guard. Mm-hmm. The death of Talos. Mm-hmm. You know? So I'm going to read to you the exchange between myself and Di where, this morning where I texted her and I just go, and by the way, as of this recording, on July 12th. So I go, where, where is it? I was talking about my At cat. At the beginning. Do I regale the audience now? Is that what I'm no, supposed no, to do? No, I'm trying to find it. Oh. So I go, be our. Where was it? Uh, Yes, we're up to the point where... She goes, everyone's talking about Secret Invasion. I go, SI, she goes, Secret Invasion. I go, why? (laughs) Nobody wasn't too blown away by this week's episode, but glad it had a nice compact runtime. Sam and Ben, though, chef's kiss. To which she goes, it was was still good. Why, he says, acting like nothing happened. Which is, yes, I am in complete agreement. Something did happen. Mm -hmm. And again, it's the death of Talos. So seeing Talos die in the episode is one of those where it's like, Man, that sucks. Like, I like Ben Mendelsohn's character, and I really, really, really hope, because we haven't seen the body get taken away, maybe something happens. I mean, he comes back in the 10th the, uh, inning and just, you know, manages to help the New York Yankees win the game, ladies and gentlemen. Well, they don't need any help. Sorry, let's go with the Cubs. The Cubs are the lovable losers. So the Chicago Cubs finally win the World Series. Did the Chicago Cubs win in recent memory, Eddie? Uh, yes, I believe within oh, the last couple of so years. Good for them. But anyway, so... If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and then there's something else I'm wrong about this episode besides hold somebody's on, names. Hold on, hold on. Did the Cubs... Hey, Siri, did the Chicago Cubs win the World Series in the last decade? Hold on. So again, 
They won in 2016. They defeated the Indians 4-3 to to capture their first World Series championship since 1908 and their first while, and then it does the rest. I'm 2016? That was a while ago. Okay. Well, no, Eddie, don't you dare say that. That was not that long ago, ladies and gentlemen. That, Almost seven years? Man, 2007 was just yesterday, just yesterday, not, you know, when I graduated high school. Just yesterday, just yesterday, just yesterday. Only yesterday. Only yesterday, The great Eddie, Carpenter only... song. Oh, man. So, man, you first, see the... Talos gets clipped in the shoulder, and then, yes, he is killed by Gravik with a sword of some or a, or a hand blade. So I love moments like this in shows like this because we're hoping, like, I'm hoping, like, please don't let him be dead. Please don't let him be yeah. dead. Because, it's, again. You're hoping <clears throat> for these characters, right? Because sometimes, like, they will, like, go the extra length and be like, nah, we're going to kill him. We're going to kill the son of a bitch. And it's like, oh. But it may be, maybe, let's see, you know. How many deals does he have in his picture deal? Because I think once this show is over, and this is my bold prediction, we're not really going to hear much scroll stuff until maybe something big with the Fantastic Four, a movie sure. or two down the line. There's yeah. not really going to be much. We're and it's going it. to be yeah. pushed to the side because Secret War is what they're gunning for right now. The whole multiverse concept, specifically Papa Hickman's run of everything that led to the 2015 event, you know? Mm, okay. So. Then again, pretty much the last scene of this episode four is Fury, or our Fury and Ritson driving off, leaving again. You've seen a couple of shots of Talos laying dead on the ground. In I didn't even know he was form. sick. Well, yeah, if you watched that episode and didn't blink, you saw, you saw that happen. But now I'm trying to think if, if they could, you know, have. I'm I'm still hoping for Maria, to be to be undead. Oh, by the, uh, which is definitely a different turn of events. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, please disregard my whole rant about Easter eggs a little bit earlier because the whole point of what the character's powers are for the secret or the super scroll are those four things: the uh, Call Obsidian Groot, because that's the whole arm stretching thing. It's not supposed to be like Reed Richards; it's supposed to be like Groot. I'm a moron who kind of misunderstood the plot or the part of the episode. So there we are. That's why the frozen part of uh, Super Scroll is from the Frost Beast. Extra. Oh, I am an idiot. Well, makes I sense. I am now. an idiot. I, I, you know, you know what? That connected to me too. Because yeah. now, yeah, when when we saw what Talos, I'm sorry, uh, Gravik get um, a knife in the palm of his hand on the table, and then pulling his hand through, and then it fusing back together, there was that appearing to be extremis in there. We had a scene with Gravik grabbing and or killing a, a security guard of some sort or guy in a suit. And acting like, yes, with his arm being like Groot, Root-like and all that stuff. So yeah. here we are. Yeah, those are the four powers that Gravik has as being the Super Scroll. Okay, so we're caught up now to that. Yay. Hooray. Now, the wild, crazy, and probably uh, guy, no, that's Steve Martin, is that oh, maybe Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. on really out here on a limb, on a real little string tangent, is maybe when this is all done, it never happened. Maria is here, back, etc., and maybe there are just a limited number of scrolls on planet Earth. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Or you know, or it leaves you thinking. Or or was it? Or not the end of the, like the end of the invasion of the body snatchers. You're next. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine, Salt and Pepper, and Heavy D up in the limousine. Whose lyrics are those? Not yours. Notorious B.I.G. <gasps> okay. You philistine. I don't know that. Oh, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. I know that from the Bible. That's about it. Oh, Eddie, Eddie, Samson Eddie. fought the Philistines. Yes, and Delilah. But anyway. She cut his hair and let his and his strength fell away. That's going to wrap this episode up unless, you know. Thank you. Something happens. 
There will be an episode five. Yes. And or six. But not seven. Seven go to hell. But it, wait now. Come on. Seven deadly sins. That's going to wrap this episode up. For the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Do you trust us? Yeah, that's that works. I like that.